Do you still watch the game and and view it as if you were still a player? Like, do you find it hard to get out of that mindset? Uh, I I do. I did it a lot more um, years back, but you know, I'm almost I'm I'm a decade removed from the game. Um, I still see the game maybe in a different light because I watch uh, I watch the internal things that maybe people don't watch, which is body language on the bench, you know, how guys are interacting on the bench, you know, the camera, you know, veers over to the coach and you can see players and are they discussing? Are they quiet? What do they look like? Just little things that yet that I try and pick up on, you know, all things that you remember those, all things that affect the outcome of a game too. Right. Very much so. Very much so. It's interesting. I've, I've just had a hard time. I, I, I find it easy in some ways to watch a game and not view it as a player. And I'm not talking about critiquing, but then when I, but then I also, it's, it's, it's so hard sometimes to not just still think like a player, you know, like, well, the but game it's also hasn't changed. Easy, it's easy to get away from because like you said, you're a decade removed and I'm, I mean, I, quit in 2010 11 season in the middle of the season so so that's what 11 years so i've been out of hockey as long as if not longer than i played pro hockey so it it, you know it's kind of like uh i'm far enough removed that i don't watch as a player but then there's that natural player in me that I just well, I sit in it the and- things that I go over in my head is when you watch a certain game um you see things that are happening that you know you don't like okay and then all of a sudden the period ends and you for me I'm sitting on my couch watching the game and I know what's going to be said in the room I it's it's happened for years and years of my career, I know how the coach is going to act because I've had nine coaches in the league and they're not all the same. All coaches are different. For me, I have an understanding of Don Granato, for an example, in Buffalo or, or, or a John Tortorella, um, you know, in, in, in Philly. I have an understanding of what these guys say and do in the locker room because I've had so many different style of coaches. And I, I think that's where my, my mind goes is knowing if a, if a, a certain situation happened on the ice, how is it going to be addressed from the leadership group? How is it going to be addressed from the coaching side of things? How are they going to, you know, how are they going to come out in the next period? And that's, those are things that I kind of looked for. I just, I can't get it out of my head. I just, I just don't go and, you know, grab another, uh, you know, wobbly Bud light or something like that i i'm thinking to myself i wonder what is going to be said in the locker room so because that was the my, that was my favorite part of the game yeah there's there's a reason why i'm asking you this and it's, it's because it's training camp time right and i look like you and i are on twitter we read I, there's a lot of people out there that i read and i i really enjoy their insight you know and then there's a lot of people out there that are covering teams or whatever and they just put so much emphasis on training camp they're like oh this this young kid had a great game. He's going to be a great addition to the team. And I'm just like, wait a minute. No, he's not. No, he's not. The team is already set. And I like, maybe he'll get a sniff. Okay. He might get a sniff, but he's not on the team. Okay. So don't, 
don't get too excited because training camp and preseason doesn't mean shit. Yeah, it's always nice to see young prospects do well, right? Am I being I mean, an asshole right now by saying you're, that? You're 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 bang on. I mean, training camp is is a t- it used to be a time when players went to camp to win jobs. Okay? Players trained, players did what they had to do. And here's the thing, you have to understand this that there was a lot of different types of jobs back 15 20 years ago. Okay? You had your checking center, you had your fourth line center who was a physical maybe fighter, um you had a power play specialist, you had all different you had you had power forwards, you had skilled forwards, you had everything. Now they all look the same. The first the first line guy and the fourth line guy are are extremely skilled hockey players. The the top end defenseman and you know Rasmus Dahlin uh on some nights doesn't look any different than um uh our waterbug boy uh Bryson Bryson Bryson's know, an incredible hockey player. Yeah. I mean he is an incredible hockey player. He can fly. He has got elite skating in at the National Hockey League level. He can make plays. I mean, there is a big, back in the day, there was a big, big difference between your number one player and your fourth line player. There was a big difference between your number one defenseman and your number six defenseman. Not anymore. The the, the level of play in the league right now has never, and I mean never, been greater. Well, I so, think what's interesting about the game now, too, to add to what you're saying, is that a 22-year-old kid, even an undrafted 22-year-old kid, can come in and take a job from a 28-year-old that that's on a two-year deal. It, that can happen these days. That's what's amazing to me. And yeah. may, maybe that's a stretch of an analogy, but you never saw so many young kids get opportunities back when I first well, started. Back 15 and 20 years ago, you have to realize something too. Um, salaries were not the same. Contracts were not the same. Nowadays, you have a kid that comes to training camp and he plays exceptionally well. He's not going to take a job of a guy who's making two and a half million dollars on a three-year deal because the team doesn't want to eat that. Do you understand? I mean, it's much harder to take jobs in the NHL nowadays. Like you look at you look at all the teams in the league. They already have their roster. Yeah. They already know. Yes the 13 forwards that going to be on the team. And they already know the eight defensemen or seven defensemen, whatever they, they choose already, to pick. And they and, already and know the two goaltenders. But to there's add to no, what, there's no to secret, add, add to what you're saying and, and to kind of back what I'm saying, they already know the guys that are coming into camp that could potentially win jobs too. Like there are no guys like every, let's take here in Buffalo, for example, just for example. Okay. Everyone's raving about this Kulik. Everyone's raving about this kid uh, from from the Western League too. Uh, uh, is it, uh, he was a seventh rounder, and, and I watched him play. I, his name's slipping my mind right now. Um, it is Tyson Kozak. And the reason why I bring his name up name up is because I went and covered the game, the, the Saber Senators um, rookie game. And he was playing, and he is—he stood out in that, in that group amongst that group. Okay, and everyone's raving about him. Go on. Well, Paul media. Hamilton raved about him before that game. 
Yes. And, and he, and everything Paul said was right. And he is making an impression, but my point is, is he's not even going to get a sniff, not even a sniff, like not even a sniff. So all I'm saying is don't get too excited about what young kids do in training camp. Cause the rosters are already set. I feel like that. And I feel like the veterans, I don't know how it was for you, but maybe in, in your later years, kind of had like a, a, a practices were one thing exhibition games were another, like none of, none of the guys that I played with the, the, the real players wanted to play exhibition games or like, fuck it. I, I just want to play this. Just start the season. Right. Do you, do you agree with that? Like thousand percent. You got to realize, you know, a lot of these, and we talk about younger players. I mean, um, a guy who's 24 years old, 25 years old, who I consider still very young in the league, they've already been through eight training camps. I mean, it's yeah. it's the same shit. These guys where your young players, your young guys that are that are coming to camp for the first time, 18, 19, 20 years old. That is that's your um, that's your th- those are your babies. Those are guys are scared out of their friggin' tree they're they're training for results in the testing stuff where the older guys they train differently they're training to have the ultimate success for the upcoming season okay um as you get older in your career you're into the late the late 20s the early 30s these guys train differently than the than the early 20s and the mid 20s because their bodies are beat to shit well you're you're Your dealing with injuries you're and not in a bad way but you 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 were when you came to Buffalo and we played together that one year, you were such a seasoned vet. No one, no one had really seen a guy like you on our team, all the young kids. Like, yeah, we had Drury and everything, but he was 28, 29. And, but no one really saw a guy like you in our locker room. So vocal. So, so, you know, against, yeah, but that was, you were that against was from, things. We never had anybody that was again, like in the, in, in the couple years prior to you arriving after Drury and Briere left, we didn't have anybody that that was vocal like that. Like, where's our where's our fucking protein? Why are we having? Why do we got to pay for our food? Why are we practicing today, Dougie? Why are we working out? We got back to back coming up. Who gives a fuck about weigh ins? Who gives a fuck about body fat? Like these were all things that you were saying to guys to ease their minds because they were so fucking scared. And I was 20, 28. And Listen, I was when, when you when you have guys, okay, but my career I'm, dangled by a thread every single day. No, so it I didn't. never had oh, no, I, did. I never had a luxury. No, I never had a luxury where I could be relaxed. Yes, I was on one way deals. And Andrew I mean, Peters brain man, you were on a string. Oh my god, I'm gonna lose my job. You weren't losing your friggin' job. You're one of the toughest guys in the league. We needed you more than what you thought. Okay. Well, you, no, no, no. Just shut up for a second and listen. You, this, this is the problem. It's the whole problem. When I got to Buffalo, it all you guys, every single one of you were beaten down, just beaten down by the environment that was brought here in Buffalo. It was unbelievable. You couldn't speak. You felt uncomfortable every single moment you were at the rank. You made the environment that was built. That was designed. That was a masterful design by Darcy Regeer. It was absolutely ridiculous. I sit there and we talk about Bobby. Yeah, the Zamboni guy scared. Now listen, we've got a we've got our best player. Okay. We've got our best player on the team and Thomas Vanek. 
guy just signs a $50 million deal. He scored multiple um, tons of goals in this league already. I show up to Buffalo. The guy won't eat for friggin' four days. He's not eating for four days because he's worried about a body fat fucking test coming up. It is mind boggling. And you know what? The funny thing is Vanner now laughs about it. He laughs about it because he was so immature and the environment made him feel small. They beat the friggin' shit out of his brain. It was awful. I mean, awful what they did to him, what they did to Derek Roy. Derek Roy's body size was just, he's, what was his nickname? The, which he had several. Well, he had multiple. He had the Don, but they called him the sausage. Cause he was a, he was a sausage. He was a chunky little guy that had extra, extra meat on him. But you know what? He was, he was literally our most skilled hockey player. Okay. He, He didn't lack speed. He was flying around the ice. He had unbelievable hands. Why? Are we worried about a body fat test for this this young man? He's under ten percent body so, fat. So so listen listen to it this. Was so, so ridiculous. When Roisey was first drafted the team, I was uh, I was in Rochester, and he and I played junior together. So we came in for our rookie camp, and we all did our body fats, and we were all staying out at these apartments out uh, near Millersport Highway, and. On Maple out there, there was a there was a restaurant, and I don't know if there's around anymore called Bennigan's. I don't know if you've ever heard of a Bennigan's, but it's like I don't know. You chalk it up there to like an Applebee's or a Chili's type thing. Um, and so we were all out there, and we went, and they had the Health Club chicken platter, which was brought steamed broccoli, a side of rice, and then two boneless, skinless chicken breasts. And we all went for dinner the day after the night that we did our body fats. So if you were over 10%, you were fat, according to the Buffalo Sabres, which to me is fucking baffling. But anyway, so I was like 9.7%. But I remember Roisey might have been like 10.56789, somewhere in there, maybe even 11%. But it, it didn't matter, not anything bad. So we all go out to dinner. I order the health club chicken platter. Norm Millie orders the health club chicken platter. Doug Janik, all these guys. And Roisey, who was the fattest guy in the group at 10.5% body fat, orders the deep fried turkey club sandwich (laughs) with fries and a Coke. And, And it's like, it did, like, it was just, Oh, fuck. Anyway, we were so stupid when it came to our diets back when we were kids. You know what I mean? But anyway, I just I just remember that. Were you really that bad? No, I don't think so. I don't. But I just I don't think we were. Do you know how many players on the Buffalo Sabres the year my first year that I played here and and listening to all the bullshit that came out of the, the, the training staff's mouth? Do you know how do you know how good a shape this team was in? It was incredible. But every single guy in the team, we had these these big body fat tests that guys knew a month before they would stop eating. They would eat salad, just like literally lettuce for five days, thinking that their body fat's going to change in five days. That's how stupid they are. They they worried. It affected their mindset. It is absolutely off the chart what we dealt with in that environment. 
it's 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 crazy to, to think back and and those things bother those things bother me yeah. Those things bother me when, when I have a trainer comes up to me, you know, after we just played a game that night, I just played 23 and a half minutes and I've got a, I've got to look at this guy and he comes stomping in, in front of the entire team, giving me shit. Okay. Giving me shit because I didn't do the workout. I was 34 years old. I had had more, uh, battle wounds than any guy in the team times 10. And I'm sitting there looking at him, trying to not explode. But here's the problem. You know me. I exploded. And I say to the fucking guy, I say to our trainer, are you that stupid that you don't understand that we're playing three games in five nights? Have you ever thought of that? Why are these guys in here busting their balls after just playing a game and you're having them do a workout and bike ride and we're playing three games in five nights? Does that make any sense at all? And then he looks at me, the trainer looks at me, he goes, oh, yeah, that's a good point, Rivs. Never even thought of that. Oh, okay, you didn't? Well, shame on you then. But don't come in here and rip me for not doing something because I know my body better than anybody. So anyway, anyway training there we camp. Go. No, no, no. It, no, it, it, it all ties together. Riv. It all, it all ties together. But I mean, I guess the whole conversation started with just training camp and, and not being able to remove myself sometimes thinking like a player, but then also at times finding it very easy to remove myself from being a player and, and have a, an opinion or, or, be critical of something but i think there's nothing more enjoyable than than to watch these young players and know that the pipeline of of high-end prospects are there they need to continue to develop they need to get bigger they need to get stronger they need to mature as young men okay and if you watch that growth over the next couple years and start inserting players into your lineup that have earned the opportunity to be in the lineup, then your team will be outstanding. Well, the, and right the, now the Sabres have the deepest, most fruitful pipeline out of any team in the NHL right now. And there's a lot of insanely skilled players. And, and guess what? Not all of them are going to be able to play. So this is where it comes in and we go back to, I'm not looking at these rookies to make the team. I'm looking at them to continue to develop at the highest level possible. So Kevin Adams and that new big chunky contract that he got, he can go out and do his job and make a trade by possibly using some of these super high end. Yeah, that's why we need players. them to perform. That's, that's why it. you need them to perform in preseason. Right. And then you send them back to junior and you have them dominate. Like, you know, we, uh, this is going to be like the 10th time I've said this to you, but though of those three first rounders uh, from the Buffalo Sabres, how many of them do you think are going to be on this team ever one? I don't know who it's going to be, but it's going to be one. You know why? Cause they're all centermen. They're all small. Well, smaller, and how are you going to fit them all in? They are. They are ultimately the, what those you're guys looking are for. Currency is what those guys. That's why he drafted three centermen, in my opinion. Yes, but you know, I think what you're looking for when you when you're 
when you're looking at our prospect pool is we need one. And if you're, if you're the luckiest team in the world, maybe two of those guys explode into superstars where they're household names across North America, across the world. That's what we need. When's the last time, when's the last time you've seen basically an epic superstar come out of Buffalo? Like as a draft pick? Yeah. Mm. Epic superstar? Eichel? For one year, for sure. I mean, by the way, he scored the only Vegas goal last night in the exhibition game against L.A. He has been he has been the um, most noted guy. I'm not sure if we can sit there and say that he's epic, um, but you get what I'm trying to say. You know, Mitch Marner, for an example, was drafted fifth overall. Mitch Marner has turned into a megastar. Now, I I expect a guy like Austin Matthews in Toronto, who's drafted number one overall. I expect him to be an elite an elite player. Now, how elite? We don't know. So we've seen in, in New Jersey, you have, um, you know, Jack Hughes. Okay. You have, uh, who's the other centerman they, they picked there? Starts with an H. Help me out here. Well, don't they have uh, Nico Heischer? Nico Heischer, first overall pick. I don't, ex- I don't look at those two guys and say those guys are, are the next coming. I think they're really good hockey players. Toronto Maple Leafs, nailed a grand slam with Austin Matthews. And then the, the year be the year before that, they nailed their fifth overall pick in Mitch Marner. You know, uh, you know, Toronto Maple Leafs or um Ottawa uh, the Edmonton Oilers nailed Connor McDavid. They nailed Leon Dreisidel. Okay. The we need to nail one of our draft picks. Is, does Owen Power count? Does well, Darlene count? Do they not count? Are they number one overall? So they're expected to be what you're talking about. So are you talking about guys that are like, like has Darlene was lived three? up to the expectations of a number one overall pick? That was what 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 we were all told is that this is the best defenseman drafted number one overall since Denny Potvin in 1984. Has he lived up to that expectation? Rasmus Dahlin? Which is insane, yes. I've been critical of Dahlin over the years, and I would say that, yes, he has lived up to the number one overall expectation simply because, number one, he's been on a shit team. No, 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 not a shit team. Answer properly. Complete fucking dog shit, horse shit team. Yes, better? there you go. That's much better. Okay. So he's you're been going to ask an 18 year old kid to come over here and, and be uh, the next uh, coming of, of, of uh, an elite defenseman. You can't put them on a complete and other disgrace as a team. Okay. okay. There's so, years, seven years before he even got here, eight years before he even got here, the team was a disgrace. Okay. So I will say that I feel, and to add to why I feel like he's lived up to it, to his expectations is simply he's put up the points. He's gotten better every year. That's right. Um, big difference between Rasmus Dahlin and defensemen now. take time. Like, look at Victor Hedman. It was five years. It was four or five years before, and it was the playoffs. I think when they ended up going to the finals and they lost to Chicago, 
double check that for me. That's just on recall. But I remember he had an out, coming out party in the playoffs one year, and it was like that was that was the introduction to the real Victor Hedman, and he's never looked back since. Yep. So, you know you, what I like about Darlene? Darlene is two years away, not this year, but next year he will explode into your. I mean, he could be an eighty-point defenseman. Well, last he could year be he had thirteen goals and fifty-three points on a team games? that How was uh, in eighty games, thirteen goals, fifty-three points, sixty-eight penalty minutes. Probably number one on the team. Um, he he's turned into a really really nice defenseman. Okay, what I like about Rasmus Dahlin is when he came here, I can still remember. In my head, him being trounced around the city and, you know, he's his face is all over the city with the smiley blonde hair and, you know, pimply, uh, pimply kid. Just like I was literally, we looked identical. But now I look at this, I look at this young man, he's still on, he's 22 years old. Okay. He's grown up not only as a player, okay, because I think he has gotten better as a player all around. He is he is one of the best puck-moving defensemen in the NHL, okay, right now. He's a power play specialist. I think he's learning to play those big, tough minutes against other teams. But the one thing I like is Don Granato keeps talking about this kid and how he's matured into a leader. At 22. This, this is something. This is something that I like to hear. I like to see because you're really starting to get a young man. Okay. And he is super young still. He's really evolving into that defenseman that we drafted number one overall. Now, my next question is what's going to happen with the other number one pick? Can he? What is he going to turn into? Well, doesn't he have a little bit more of a? Doesn't he have a grace period here? Or are we expect? No, like, course. I feel like everyone's sitting here thinking that Owen Power is going to come in and you don't. You next know, thing you I'm know, not, say, I'm not saying for him to be, to be that guy next year. But I'm fearful that people maybe don't expect him to, but want him to. Maybe not in the organization, but Petey, Petey, he's not 18. He's not 18 years old. Yeah, okay, he's not Rasmus yeah. Dahlin. He's not all these young players that came into the league at 18. Owen Power's 20. There is a massive, and I mean massive, massive difference between an 18-year-old and a 20-year-old. He is much more mature. He has already lived, you know, um, playing D1 hockey, okay? Lived in an environment there where he had to, to defend for himself, still has to go to school. He's The maturity level needs to be there to, to be able to play this game at a high level and have your studies taken care of at the same time. So he's been through a lot more than most 18-year-olds have at this point, okay? I look for Owen Power to make a much bigger stride in his first year than most 18-year-old defensemen that make the NHL, which is doesn't happen very often. But I don't put an 18-year-old Rasmus Dahlin in the same boat as, an, as a 20-year-old Owen Power playing their first year in the he NHL. He turns 20 November 22nd, but yeah, I'll give you 20. He's, he's 20. Yeah, he's a late he's birthday. He's 20 years old. Okay? 
Oh, he's no, he's come 19. In. The team is the team is 100 times better for Owen Power coming in than what it was Rasmus Dahlin. Rasmus Dahlin was on an absolute horrendous, horrendous team. And Owen Power is not. So I, I view Owen Power, I need, or what I, I don't need, what we all need in Saberland is for him to make a very big stride in his first year to show that he can play. And What's and, a big and, stride mean to you? Like, I'd like to see him, like, you know, he's probably going to be playing uh, 22, 23 minutes a night. I really do believe that. Um, do you think it's I a think little soon he, for that? No, I don't think it's too soon for that at all. One calendar year ago, okay, and a couple months. 23 minutes a night? like 23 over, minutes a like night. You have doll. How are you? How are you? Spreading out the minutes to the defense on this team. Uh, Matias Samuelson and, and Darlene will be playing an extreme amount of minutes. I would probably think Darlene, because of the power play, is going to be up around 25, 26 minutes a night. I would say that uh, Matias Samuelson will lose probably three, four minutes a night because of power play. So he's going to be around 22, but he's going to be on the ice a ton. He's going to gain penalty kill time. Understood, but but Darlene's going to be killing too, also. So you're got a 26 minute uh, uh, Darlene. You got a probably 22 minute Matias um, um, Samuelson. You've got a probably a 22, 23 minute um, Owen Power and Yoki Haru. And then you have your third pair with um, um, Labushkin, Labushkin, Bryson. and uh, Bryson, which I think are, are which is going to be a really strong pair. But they're probably going to be in the that could be um, really good for Bryson to play with him. Might yeah, give him a little absolutely. freedom to go and be a fr- little more freewheeling, maybe. That's exactly what you want. You want Bryson to use the greatest asset that he has, and that's his skating. It is, it is phenomenal. And he's not a young kid. He's he's twenty four years old. He's got to take advantage of the opportunity. He'll probably play 17, 18 minutes a night. Okay. It, I I I really really like the the decor that they have this year. Yeah, okay. but I see Owen Power playing a lot of minutes. Okay, um, you this conversation kind of spiraled because you or not spiral, but it 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 evolved because you brought up young stars and everything. You brought up Marner and Matthews, and it's it's interesting because there's a there's a couple conversations there, but I guess I'll ask you this way: which star in the league? getting away from the Sabres conversation has the most pressure on him this year, which singular star, you know, and I, what made me think of that was Austin Matthews, right? Um, Connor McDavid. I got one in my head. Okay. Let me get, let me guess. I'm going to try to shoot a whole bunch of, uh, I'll give you 10, 10 guys (laughs) that you think 10 guys, that you think are going to have an extreme amount of pressure going from goaltending defense to the forwards. Go ahead. And then uh, see if I can guess your guy. Yes. Okay. So you have McDavid, you have Matthews. And I think to me, are you picking those guys? Pardon? So you're picking McDavid and Matthews? No, I think the one guy that I'm going to say, and I, I, I just, it's just popped into my head when you put me on the spot. I think Jack Eichel. Absolutely. 
He could be the one star in this league that has the most pressure on him to perform in the entire league. Yeah, you have Matthews who scored 60. Will he score 60 again? How far will the Leafs go? You know, what's McDavid going to do and how far is he going to take the Oilers? But they've had that pressure since the second they came into the league. True. Doesn't now, go away, though. Jack doesn't has never been in a Jack is pardon. No, it doesn't go away, but this is new to Jack where he's expected to lead a team to win. Where his first few years here, he was just expected to go out and be the star and eventually winning will happen as they build around him, but Vegas has much different expectation. Okay. That's why gotcha. Okay, we got Eichel. You want me to keep going? Yeah, what about oh. uh, give me give me five guys. Uh, well, you Huberto, Kachuk, absolutely, absolutely. Um, 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 Johnny Goudreau, yeah, that's a good one. Um, trying to think of some other big signings that are slipping my mind right now. Um, you know, I'm just trying to scroll through my brain here. Um, let me help you out, okay. So you have Eichel, you have McKinnon. I didn't say you McKinnon. Have Huberto, you have probably, probably McKinnon. I didn't say him, but you don't think he has pressure? He's the number well, he one just highest won. paid. He just he just won. I don't so care. Like, and he's not making. He just signed a contract. Yeah, but he's still making six point three. He it's like, is it's, making, like uh, it's the same as uh, Tage Thompson. You know, he doesn't have to score thirty eight this year. He has to do it next year. No, he doesn't. He signed a hundred and two. <laughs> million dollar contract he is the highest paid player in the nhl right now there is going to be pressure on him to perform each and every night jonathan huberto has pressure but not anywhere near what matthew kachuk has this year in in tampa bay florida or uh in in miami florida i think for me you know you He's going to have a big smile on his face. He signed for nine and a half schmilly. Okay. And he's getting that beautiful tax down there. And it's, uh, it's, it's beautiful sun with a couple tropical storms. Not a big deal. Okay. So. Matthew Kachuk right now got traded for the second player last year in points. Jonathan Huberto had 115 points last year. He also Can he do it without the guys he was he playing He also with? got traded for Mackenzie Weger. Mackenzie Weger has been in the Norris Trophy voting. Not that he was going to win it, but he's in the voting for the last two years. Okay? He'd played with before... Um, Ekblad. Ekblad got injured. That was probably one of the top pairings in the league. They got traded for Huberto, Mackenzie Weger, a first-round draft pick, and a prospect that is probably going to make the Flames this year. You don't think that Matthew Kachuk is going to have pressure once Florida drops in the standings because their team is not anywhere near as good as what it was last year. They're listing, they're missing Mason Marchment, who is 
you can't replace this kid. He played on a third line. He was a wrecking ball. He's tough as nails. He played a grind style. And they lost him for nothing. They lost Mackenzie Weger, Huberto. They lost um, their fourth line center, Achari. And everyone's like, ah, it's just fourth line. He was a bowling ball. He killed penalties. He's high energy. He was physical. He can score he goals. Added to the team. They also lost Ben Sherrod. Ben Sherrod went and signed in Detroit. They lost him for nothing. Well, who are they, who are they replacing these guys with? Nobody. That's the whole point. They've lost guys in their lineup and haven't replaced them. Oh, yeah. Sorry. They replaced them with Matthew Kachuk. And it's interesting. That's going to be a tough. Calgary loses guys to nothing for nothing. Goudreau for nothing. Uh, uh, The big defenseman there. Good Branson for nothing. And maybe somebody else for nothing. I don't know. And they replace them. Yeah. With. With with a massive argument, it could be one of the greatest arguments right now in Calgary. Are they better? Are they better? Are they, than they better were last year? Would you rather have Johnny Goudreau? Would you rather have Johnny Goudreau or would you rather have Jonathan Huberto? Well, Huberto. Would you been, rather have in my Matthew opinion, Kachuk? Huberto's been more consistent over the years. In the yes, last absolutely. Few years. No question. Yeah. I'm not taking it. Would you rather have Goudreau. He's unbelievable. Uh, Matthew Kachuk? Or would you rather have Nazem Kadri? Nazem Kadri had 87 points last year in like how many games? 68? 87 points in 68 games. If you were to play a full it's season, too soon you would have had 105 points. It's too points. soon for me to answer that one. I, I feel like I, I feel like that's that's gonna be the that's gonna be where the eyes are. What would you rather have? Your Kadri or your Kachuk? And I that's I'm very curious to see what Nazem Kadri does. There's another guy that you can add to the pressure list. Because yeah. remember, he was sitting behind McKinnon, Landeskog, Rantanen. He, you know, like he had he had a nice cushion to support himself and just go out and play. Where there's going to be a little bit more um responsibility and and, you know, he's going to be relied on to maybe even do more than what he was doing or at least maintain that same level and it's going to be awesome to see if he can. Calgary has some good players, but Kadri's interesting. Kadri's very, very interesting. Yeah. I mean, uh, the, the last one for me, and uh, it's, it's, it's a fairy tale because the team is awesome. Uh, they're loaded with offense. Their defense is better. Um, they, went and, they went and made their team, I think, stronger, deeper. But how about Matt Murray? If Matt Murray does not play well to start the season in Toronto, wait till you listen to that media. Good luck. The confidence could be destroyed within uh, the month of October because there's pressure. There is an extreme amount of pressure on the goaltenders that are coming into Toronto. There's a lot of pressure. They have a great team. I think Toronto has a great team. I think they could be very successful this year. But if you want it, listen, the last number of years, Toronto Maple Leafs have been exceptionally good in, in the regular season because they're, they're so deep 
up front with Austin Matthews, Tavares, Mitch Marner, Willie Nylander, and then then they have a really strong supporting cast, Michael Bunting and and Kierfoot and guy. They've got a great team. The defense has gotten better. The defense has gotten way better in Toronto over the last number of years. So they do extremely well in the regular season. But Toronto Maple Leafs, the fan base, doesn't give a shit about the regular season. They care about playoffs. They care about winning playoffs. And how is that? How is that gone? Well, the first round is a curse for them right now. And that's where the pressure mounts, right? I mean, it's all great. What's a successful season for Toronto Maple Leafs right now? Yeah. And I love that. Is it getting by the first round? Is that, is that successful? Well, okay. Let's let me flip that question on you because I do have an idea and I did want to talk about this. What, what is a, what is a, what is it for the Leafs? Is it copper bust? Is it finals or bust? Is it conference finals or bust? Is the second round good enough for this franchise and their fan base and their media base? I don't know. I mean, everyone will say, Hey, they finally got over the first round and you know, the last seven first rounds that they've lost, you know, that's, that's really the biggest hurdle right now for the team. So are, is that going to be the grace period for Dubis and, and Keefe if they get to the second round, but then lose the second round to a team that they should beat? I don't know. I don't know. I'm it, Toronto's a fascinating team because as, as Matthew's clock starts to wind down, oh, I love being a leaf. I love it here. I love Toronto. What's he going to say? You know, that's, these are what, that's, what's coming out or, you know, like a lot of people asking questions about his future already, Yeah, you know, and he's saying all the right things. I truly do believe he loves Toronto. Does he stay? I don't, I don't know. I'm not sold on it, but his clock is, is winding down. So if you don't go to the finals this year, are you unhappy with what Dubas has done in Toronto? Am I unhappy? I mean, I guess like emotionally, I don't really give a shit, but um, I think their team is better this year than last year. I think they focused on areas. Is their goaltending better? Do you Maybe think he's not. had hurdles over the course of this, you know, putting, trying to put this together? I think, like, listen, good, I mean, I think he, he kept did a the good top job players. this year finding some bottom six players, real bottom six players. Yep. Cali Yarn, like they went out and got some guys. I know some of them, one of them, uh, is it, uh, is it, who's the guy, the, uh, Gaudette? Is it Gaudette? That's, yeah. that, that's there now. And every, you know, everyone's saying he'll be in the minors, but he's a good player. He so will I think be they, in the minors. He's, he's not an, he's not an NHL hockey player, but he's a good depth guy is what I'm saying to you. In my opinion, yeah. he's a good depth guy. And that's where the Leafs have had to be creative in finding ways to spend their money wisely. Cause they've got 40 million tied up in, in four forwards. Yes. That's been the well, biggest and, hurdle and for so, Dubis is so trying I to ask find you the, the right question. players with their budget because they okay, have. But I asked no you the question: money. what's what's the what's the boom or bust for this team? They have to go to the finals, not conference finals. This team has to go to the finals this year, and I agree with that. I agree with that. I'm not going to say that they have to win the Stanley Cup because ah man, it's I mean I don't care how good your team is; it's tough to do. Okay. But I look at I look at the the conferences. You know, the Florida Panthers, I think, have gotten worse. Okay. They were the number one team in the league last year. I think they've gotten worse. 
I think the Colorado Avalanche have taken a step backwards. Would you agree? Yes. Carolina Hurricanes. I don't know how they do it. They don't really have a superstar except for, you know, Sebastian Ajo, which is kind of like a your your low-end superstar, but they just seem to get it done. I I think they're a solid team and you just don't know where they're going to go or if they're going to go up and down. They were third in the NHL last year. Toronto was fourth. I believe that Toronto and Carolina and the Rangers, I'm going to throw the Rangers in there because I think the Rangers are going to be a, a, a sneaky team again too, but I think Toronto has the team to get it done. My dream Eastern Conference final, Toronto Maple Leafs, New York Rangers. My season will be complete if that can happen. Yeah, for the East, anyway. Because I, 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 for me, it's like you know, the Eastern Conference. You know, I don't think Florida is the same team. I don't think Tampa Bay is the same team. Boston Bruins are doing their one, you know, one last hurrah with all their their guys with their walking canes. I mean, David Krejci's coming back for another season. Patrice Bergeron. I mean, these guys were awesome take nothing away from how great they were in their career, but they're old. There's a tremendous amount of miles put on their body. And I don't know where they're going to be. I don't know if they're good enough to make that, to make that. I think they're going to be extremely competitive this year, Boston, but can they go a full season without those bodies breaking down? And I don't know. Pittsburgh Penguins is the same thing. You know, Sidney Crosby, Malkin, uh, Latang. These are the pulse a lot of, first of their round team exits in the Eastern Conference. Yeah. The last few and years, they're starting to get tired. You know, you Chicago's start to lose doing, one you know, of those guys. The same thing. You're in big trouble. Washington Capitals, old. old tired. Old, well, the, the tired. Capitals, this, this Backstrom Ovechkin these contracts they're not keeping them around to win they're keeping those guys around so he can break Gretzky's record as a capital with each other because you know Ovi is you know Backstrom needs to get him the puck on the power play right so yep. it's that's what that comes down to for me they're they've won their championship they've done their time they're going to play out their time as capitals and they hope that in his the time of Ovi's contract he breaks the record as the greatest goal scorer in the history of the game. That's yeah. that's the vision in, in Washington, in my opinion. But I just want to say one thing about Toronto that you just mentioned. I, I couldn't list all the players off the top of my head, but here they are, okay? They got Engvall back this year on a 2.25. I think he's a fantastic player. Fantastic utility player for that team. They brought in Callie Yarncrook, who has had awesome numbers over the years. Consistent seasons and a great cap hit. Yep. Um, Nicholas Obey Kubel. Okay. Depth guy, but he just won a cup. That's my point. Like he just won a cup. He has the experience. He's going to be hungry. You know what I mean? Yep. You have Wayne Simmons uh, on your bottom lines. You have Kyle Clifford, you know, Joey Anderson, you know, whatever. But I, I think they've done a good job in Toronto. And I think their, their defense, top nine is their top nine strong. Their defense is as as whoa, whoa, nicely easy easy but as nicely put together as it's been in the last decade 
it's friggin' old too. Well, that's why it's that's why I think we both agree it's cup. It, they have to go to the finals this year. It, it's old. I mean, um, <laughs> Morgan Riley is your is your young buck. Okay, he's twenty eight. He's twenty eight. Uh, Jake Muzzin's thirty three. Had had a lot of miles on that body. Won a couple Stanley Cups. TJ Brody, another guy, thirty two. You know he. I mean, I, 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 I like the, the defense core, Justin, uh, Hall, 30 years old, nice defenseman, Mark Giordano, 38 years old. That, uh, that is, um, that's some older guys, but I like the defense core. If you can start to insert that uh, Timothy Lilligren, who is a former first round pick, I think he was like 16th overall. I think it was um, Rasmus uh, Sandine is another really, really talented uh, young defenseman for Toronto. These guys need to be inserted into the lineup throughout the season. So you can give these older guys a rest because the thought is to not be the greatest team during the season it's to make sure that your guys are fresh and ready to go when playoff time comes that's going to be really important for the toronto maple Leafs, and especially their their back end he was drafted 17th overall okay 17th all right no know your shit it's amazing it's amazing where one question can just kind of take off and, and grab legs and run right to in a conversation. But I, you know what, in one thing that I said in that entire thing about pressure with stars and, you know, it led to the Leafs and everything, but I brought up Jack Eichel and you agreed. I would love to see Jack Eichel play playoff games. I want to see what he Absolutely. can do 100%. in the playoffs. I am not sitting here wishing this guy ill will because of how things were handled in Buffalo. I have been, uh, I've watched him come into this league. I watched him that whole year at Boston University because you knew the Sabres were, that was a that was a worst case scenario with how the Sabres season was going that year that they were automatically going to get number two overall because they were going to finish dead last. That was Tim Murray's main focus. Um, so we, I watched a lot of them. And I would like to see him take that game to the next level. I would like to see the next surgery, be successful. And, you know, the Sabres are happy. The fans are happy with how the trade has gone. I would really like to see Jack Eichel have a good season and, and play in the playoffs. Well, the see, funny see what he can do at that, that next phase of his career. That's what's next for him is yeah. to, is to get into the playoffs and play in the playoffs. Yeah. You know, what's exciting. It's exciting that I, I think everybody if you're a hockey fan has certain teams that you, that you like to watch. Okay. For me last year, it was the Florida Panthers. Okay. I, I enjoyed watching the Florida Panthers. Everybody knows why, you know, Mackenzie Weger is my cousin and um, they were one of the best teams in the league. And I really enjoyed watching that team play. Now I'm going to be watching a few late games this year because uh, I want to watch Mackenzie. He's now out. Uh, with the Calgary Flames, they've they they seem to really done a nice job with the team that they have there. It's going to be a really really good team in Calgary. Um, but I'm going to tell you, I will never 
not stop watching Jack. Jack was supposed to be the savior here in Buffalo. Now, in 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 professional sports, it it doesn't always work out, okay, with certain players and certain teams. And I don't have any ill will against Jack. I want him to do well. He's a great hockey player. He's a great hockey player. And he also is entertaining. I want to watch him. I want to watch him play. Even though he's playing for the Vegas Golden Knights, it's almost like Jack Eichel has given me another team to watch because I enjoy watching Jack play. I think he's 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 an electric player, and I don't believe that Jack has even hit his high-end um, you know, stride yet. And I think in Vegas, for the very first time, for the very first time in Jack's NHL career, He's going to be on a team that is supposed to make the playoffs. It's the first time. Well, I don't know. Last year, that. Jack, Jack showed up last Vegas. year. We'll dive into the West tomorrow. You because don't think I, Vegas, what are, what are you telling me that Vegas golden Knights is not going to make the playoffs? I didn't say that. Well, that's what you were alluding to right now. You with your little, uh, friggin' smirk. Oh, okay. My smirk. You're going to guarantee it? Guaranteed. You're going to guarantee that Mark Stone's going to be healthy and all these guys are going to be healthy? I think and- after I think after him taking half the season off last year and making sure that he does things right, I think Mark Stone's going to be ready to go. I think William Carlson is going to be a much better a hockey player this season because they have all of their guys back, the depth. Okay. okay. I think Jonathan marches though, because Jack's back, because Mark Stone back, because his left winger, Riley Smith, who is a massive, massive loss yet last year, they lost him for most of the season. Mm-hmm. He's back. are they going to be the same players? And this is the other thing I'll add to you. Bill Carlson, Billy. Billy Carlson. Yep. He is, for all those people out there that were shitting on me about Tage Thompson's contract, we're not allowed to talk about it anymore, by the way, but that's fine. William Carlson was the example of the player that made me fearful of an explosive year followed by a decent year followed by not a good year followed by a worse year followed by your worst year since your best year. So... You know, and he went from he went from nine six forty three twenty four fifteen fourteen. What are you talking 24. about? You you've lost me with these numbers. Goals. Oh, goals for for William Carlson. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Because that everyone seems to think that because he did it once, he's going to do it again. Well, we'll see. We'll see, but we can talk more about the West tomorrow, and I think that's a it's a great idea because I I I love our conversation about the East today, and that is my final for the Eastern Conference: Rangers Leafs. Anything else to add today? Nothing. I I will reiterate this one more time. Um, one of the things I would like to see this year is for Jack Eichel to have the opportunity to play in in the playoffs, and I think that he will this year. I think that Vegas has a very strong team. If if I'm going to do this, if I'm going to do this and say I want Jack Eichel to make it, 
then I may as well throw our boy Skinzy in there too, because he has uh, been doing a hell of a lot of golf on his off time. Uh, I'd like to see Jeff Skinner get that opportunity in the playoffs to have him feel what it's like, the adrenaline rush of every single game that you play and, and the preparation that it takes for all these playoff games. It's where you want to be. So I'm not going to say never, in there. but probably not this year, but, but you never know. The freaking Ottawa Senators, oh, uh, you know, do they have the opportunity to make the playoffs? Well, let me tell you, if they're talking playoffs, so should Buffalo. That's the way I feel. I if they're going to talk. Feel... They're going to talk playoffs. Well, the, the talk you know, playoffs in Ottawa. You know, Elliot should, we should be and, talking to here in Buffalo. Elliot and the guys were having the same conversation. It's no different than the conversation that we've had, and it, it was most improved teams in the East: Detroit and Ottawa. And what I need you to do here's your homework assignment. I want you to go player for player, and tell me all the way down. Who has the, the stronger teams between Buffalo, Detroit, and Ottawa for tomorrow? And I'm talking first line, second line, third line, fourth line, D, goaltending. Forget about prospect pool. Just do that. Because How about you do it? I fucking do everything. Oh, here we go. Here we go. Here we go. You, we want to air this out. We want to air this out on the air. You do everything. Oh, my God. <laughs> Sound like my wife. All right. Have a but good before day. Before you go. Before I go, I had a great song pop into my playlist today. I just, I, I bet you've never heard it. And you like new songs every now and then, right? T- write this down. Vance Joy. I've had this one for a couple of years, but I, I just, I haven't listened to it. It's called Lay It On Me. Would love to know your thoughts on that. Want to hear a little intro of it? Yeah. Give me a, give me a little taste. Okay. I don't know how this will sound over, but here, here it is. I'm so I knew you'd like that acoustic guitar. You cut through, and I just want to know what's in your head. Write it on a piece of paper, honey. It's interesting because I could probably play that in five minutes. Doesn't sound very complicated. I'm out. Enjoy your day. That's a wrap on another episode of After the Whistle. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter, After the Whistle, and at Craig Reve 52 at the Instigator76. And you can find us, as you already know, on Apple, Spotify, and YouTube, and anywhere else where you can get your podcasts. Thanks for tuning in. Don't forget to spread the word.